I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. Our souls long for relationships. This is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. In the previous episodes, I have talked about the longings of our souls that deeply embedded into every single one of us are a series of longings. We come into this world with needs that are designed to be met, and our souls can't avoid them. There's no way around them. We long for things like we long to be loved, we long to go home, we long to live an undivided life, I talked about in the previous episode. We have these longings, and I believe they are implanted within our souls by God in the same way that we long for food or water. You know, we hunger for these things on the physical level. But on the spiritual level, we long for certain things, and those things are found only in God. But we'll seek them in any form we can get. If it's something other than God, then we'll live with that. We'll accept it. But The longing is there, and it is my own contention that God planted those needs within the soul, and then those needs are ultimately met in Christ. So, we talked last time about the longing to live an undivided life, and that was number four of ten of these longings of the soul. So, I want to begin this episode talking about the fifth longing that all of us have, and that is to live without fear and anxiety. I've never met a single person who thought fear and anxiety were great. <laughs> never, never once have I met someone who said, these are really good. We instinctively, inherently know that this is not good for us. And so when we turn to the scriptures, we see that God is very much aware of the fact that we are people, particularly outside of a relationship with him, who struggle with fear and anxiety. In fact, There's more than a hundred passages that exhort us to, quote, be not afraid or fear not. In fact, I've heard that there are literally 365 references in the Bible that are telling us not to be afraid, which, of course, if you do the math, you know, that's one for each day. I think of Psalm 34. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. That's so beautiful. We come into this world essentially alone and afraid, and we don't know how we're going to manage. And we long to be soothed. We long to be safe. We long to be in some space where we feel like it's going to be okay. But boy, life is hard. And we are now, I believe, living in an epidemic of anxiety. It's something that we have to wrestle with every day. It's all around us. 
the fear that is put in front of us, particularly through the media, the media that we consume creates fear. If you just pay any attention, it's, it's constantly hitting us with issues that make us fearful. There was an old saying in the media, if it bleeds, it leads, meaning that if you're going to tell a story on the news, you know, if there's something that will really get people's attention and, and grip them, it's going to be something bad. So we have that all around us as if we needed it because life is hard just in general. And so this longing that we have to, can I, can I possibly live without fear and anxiety is something that we all want to hear an answer. Like, what, what is it, Lord? The great author Henry Nouwen, such an important person in my life, in his incredible book, Following Jesus, which is subtitled, Finding Our Way Home in an Age of Anxiety, he writes this, We are called, we are urged, to bring our pain into the healing presence of the cross. We pray, Lord, I am so fearful today. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm so anxious and fearful. It is there, Lord. I want to bring it into your presence and bring it right into the Garden of Gethsemane. One of the beautiful things about our faith is that we have a God who understands. Jesus literally experienced complete fear and anxiety at the highest level. We're told that in the Garden of Gethsemane that he actually sweated blood, like that he, he was in that much anguish. And so we have a God who knows, who knows how we feel. And that's why it's so beautiful, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's an incredible gift to be able to say, I am with this shepherd, this good shepherd who knows me and knows what I need, need and my longings. And because God is with me, I can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou, O Lord, art with me. God is with us. And that is the secret to learning how to live without fear and anxiety. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives and is with me in the midst of this, this thing. He is bigger than the thing that I face. My soul longs to be free from fear and anxiety. I want to live without it. And I find that answer in my relationship with God. The sixth longing of the soul is to be intimately connected to God. I believe that we come into this world with a longing for transcendence, a longing for something bigger than us, and really something bigger than anything in this world, anything that this world can offer. I love Psalm 63. O oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Those five words, my soul thirsts for you. Our souls are, are built in, like I, I've said in the previous episode, where it, it's factory loaded into our soul, is these longings. And the longing to be connected to God, we thirst for God. Pascal said it this way, the, there's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every person a vacuum, a hole, and only God can fill that. No thing in this world can fill it. The things of this world are batting zero, to use the old baseball analogy. Money, sex, power, fame, 
success, name the usual suspects, none of them can fill that God-shaped hole. It is a longing, as Adrian von Kamm said, for the more than. I'm longing for something more than this world can give. You too sang about it in their most famous song when Bono sings, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Climb the highest mountain, cross the sea, doesn't matter. Everything that can happen, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What we're longing for is a connection to God. And what happens when we have these experiences with God, these what I call transcendent experiences, is for a moment, for a moment, we sense that God is with us and that that hole is filled. Frankly, it's why I pray. It's what I do every day because I want to set aside time to be in intimate connection and communion with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is my soul longs for it, so I set aside time to be, to, to as Dallas Willard would say, immerse myself in Trinitarian reality. That's through reading the scriptures or reading some classic Christian writings, uh, through prayer, through journaling. I'm making this connection, and in those beautiful moments, I lose myself, like my, my worries and fears, which I just talked about, tends to fade away. It's a longing we were all made for. The seventh longing of the soul is to be forgiven for what I've done. We come into this world as fallen creatures, broken, incomplete. As someone has once said, we, we never really escape the fall. What happened in the garden is we messed up, right? That, that's, that's human existence. We, we make a mess. The air is human. And so as we're going through life, we recognize, boy, I have made a, a mess here. I have done this thing badly. And for some of you listening, you are, are wrestling with that right now, this idea that I, I, I've done something so bad. Can I be forgiven for the things that I have done? It's a, it's a cry of the soul. Can I be forgiven? And that's where the cross comes in. What's so profound about the cross of Christ is that God has reconciled us to himself. And notice, notice how I put that, and that's straight from Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. God is reconciling us to him, not him to us. We're the ones who have gone astray, gone wrong. But God in Christ has reconciled us to him. And that beautiful hymn, one of my favorite hymns, It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio P. Spafford writes these words, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. He's nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. That line, I just know, could not have been written by someone who didn't understand what the cross of Christ means. I believe that Horatio Spafford, when he wrote that, was writing out of his own experience. My sin, my sin, not the world's sin, but my own sin, my personal sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole. 
He's nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. A beautiful part of the Christian story is the work of God in Christ in reconciling us. When we fail, when we sin, it is right and good for us to feel badly about it. That guilt is actually a good sign. We know something's wrong. But we want and long to be forgiven. And we turn to the cross and we see that, we experience that. It is what our souls long for. The eighth longing of the soul is to find community. We are built for community. We are relational beings. We know this in all the studies done with infants. If infants don't receive a lot of attention and care and face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact, they suffer. We know this in human life. We are built to be in relationship with people, to be in community. And I often talk about HQC, which is high-quality connection. I've done a fair amount of study about this. High-quality connection refers to those relationships in which we can know and be known. The relationships where we can know and be known. It's where we can feel free enough to take off our mask, to allow someone to see us as we are, not as we want them to see us. And when we have the courage to take off the mask, to be real with someone, and someone does that with us, and we experience the person for who they really are, and we receive affirmation for us, and we give affirmation to them, those kinds of relationships are incredibly profound. I see this all the time in Christian communities, whether it's undergraduate classes I teach, master's classes, other discipleship certificate programs where people journey together over time. And at the end of the journey, I'll often say to those who are graduating from these programs, you know, what was it that was the most important thing for you? What was the best thing about this experience? Let me just say, they never say the teaching, which usually bums me out. I'm like, wasn't the teaching great? But what they say every time over and over is, it was the relationships, the relationships that I built. And again, they aren't just casual. These are, these are HQCs, as I call them. These are high-quality relationships. At some point in the journey with their fellow students or fellow disciples or apprentices, they are sharing deeply with who they are. Someone hears and knows and gets to know them at a deep level, and they feel that affirmation and connection, and that's what makes the difference. We're built for deep relationships. Number nine is to be called to a life of purpose. I've thought a lot about calling through the years and read a lot of books on vocation. Of course, I see this as a college professor. I see undergraduate students who are coming in asking that question. It's a pressing question for many of them, like, what am I called to do in this life? And usually they're asking it in a sense of vocation, like, what am I called vocationally to do? And I believe that's also something that's been planted in the soul, that every one of us we have planted within us a longing to know, what is my purpose? Why am I here? I was given a set of skills and talents and abilities. There are passions, things I care about. What am I going to do with that? I love the quote from Frederick Buechner, one of my favorite all-time authors. This is his classic statement about calling. He writes this, A good rule of thumb for finding out your calling is this. God calls you to the place where your deep gladness 
and the world's deep hunger meet. That's worth repeating. A good rule of thumb for finding out your calling is this. God calls you to the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I know that quote has been helpful to many people, including myself, because when we think about where's that place where I experience deep gladness? When, when I'm engaged in doing that thing, my soul actually feels alive. And so if I can discern, like, what is that thing? And then where does the world need that? What's the world's deep hunger? And that's where those things come together. For me, it's been fairly clear. I mean, I, I, I love to teach. I love to be in the classroom and to teach. I love to write. Those things light up my soul. So I do those things because I find deep gladness in them. And fortunately, there is a hunger in, within the world for those things. So I have students and I have readers and they come together. So I'm blessed in that. But that's true of every vocation. People need us to do things. Deep gladness, right? What is that? I mean, the soul longs for a stable and far-reaching goal. That's why you don't really find deep gladness in like house chores or going to the gym or you know, cleaning up something. That's not really, te- there's a lot of duties in our professions that are like, well, not a lot of gladness going on in that. But they're a part of it. But deep gladness is this, it's something bigger. Something bigger is going on. Those who are in the medical profession, for example, I mean, they, that's, that's pretty big. Teaching, law, accounting, whatever. I mean, we, we need people to do these things because they help us. They bless us. And that's what the world's deep hunger is. It's essentially a contribution that the world needs. That's how it works. We're designed to figure out what is my calling? What is my purpose? The tenth and final longing of the soul is in some ways the bookend of the first one, which was a longing for home. We, we talked about saudade, this Portuguese word that means a longing for home. That's kind of the best translation. It's bigger than that. But we have this longing for this place. And for many of us, we can recollect what that looks like in terms of the home we had in this earth. But there's also a longing for a new heaven and a new earth, a longing to live forever in eternal life. I love John O'Donohue. He's one of my favorite writers, this Celtic Christian writer. Uh, He had so many great things to say, but let's listen to what he says about the longing of the soul. For your soul, death is a homecoming. Naturally, the soul will feel the sadness of withdrawal from the visible world. Ultimately, however, physical death must be an adventure for the soul. There must be excitement for the soul at the edge of such transformation and joy in bringing the bright essence of a life harvest into eternity. Boy, talk about an approach to something that seems the opposite. This idea that for your soul, death is a homecoming. For your soul, death is an adventure. Because all the energy of your soul and the the life that you've had is longing for this, this harvest into the next life. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? But we all long for that. It's built into us. When we've been there 10,000 years bright, shining as the sun. We love to sing that line from Amazing Grace because it's speaking to this eternal destiny for which we were made. 
We long for all of these things. They're built into us. As I said in the previous episodes, we don't get a choice here. We don't get to say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to you know, worry about fear and anxiety. I, I don't, they don't bother me, or I don't need to find my calling, or I don't need to be connected to God, or I don't need forgiveness. No, these are all in us, the need for community and relationship. It's built into us. In the next episode, I want to talk about how we find all of those 10 needs of the soul in our relationship with God in Christ, how Christ has come to be the answer to every one of those longings. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things About Podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.